Now, we depend, and I'm sure you've emphasized this uh, so many times, on a very healthy bacterial flora in our gut. And uh, we need them, we love them, they're just critical. However, if there's resident bacteria that aren't our wonderful, familiar, genetically designed to co-create together and be in synergy with gut flora, but rather some different bacteria <laughs> that shouldn't really be in the gut. And these particular bacteria excrete an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, and that makes it possible to reabsorb that estrogen into the body. So you get these estrogen imbalances going on. The information provided in this podcast is educational and not intended to diagnose or treat medical conditions. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast, we are talking about female hormones, a lot of estrogen and progesterone, but specifically estrogen, and how that links back to the gut and the absorption of the nutrients are so important. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, and today I have Dr. Rosensweet, who graduated from the University of Michigan Medical School in 1968. Since 1971, he has been in private medical practice with offices in Florida, New Mexico, California, and Colorado. Early in his career, Dr. Rosensweet trained the first nurse practitioners in the United States and was in charge of health promotion for the state of New Mexico. He's nationally known lecturer and presenter at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, the American College for Advancement in Medicine, the Age Management Medicine Group, and more. In 2019, he was called to Washington to speak in front of the National Academies of Science and Engineering and Medicine on the safety and efficacy of bioidentical hormones. He is the founder of the Menopause Method and the Institute of Bioidentical Medicine, where he has been training medical professionals to master CBHRT using the most advanced and modern tools. His protocols have been used to treat more than 12,000 women. Dr. Rosensweet, it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, and I am very excited about talking about hormones in the gut and, and how they are so interlinked to your overall health. And so good to meet you too, as well. A fun, a fun thing to do in, in my world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of gets you out and you get, and you get to explain to a much wider audience, I think. Um, so I guess without further ado, um, how are our hormones linked to our gut health? Well, the primary action of hormones is not directly related to the gut, but there is definitely an interaction. And there's a place, if the gut is not healthy, uh, you can have some hormonal imbalances because of it. And the actual technical way that that happens is your a woman's ovaries produces four ovarian hormones. 
and one of the most uh, one of the many is, is estrogens and the estrogens are circulated throughout the body they go into the cells they do their thing they leave the cells and they're biochemically processed and they're sent to the liver and they're degraded as actual potent hormones and then they're actually linked up with something that makes them soluble and they pass through the bile into the gut and in the gut they're actually conjugated as a glucuronide principally pretty technical i'm getting there though i'm getting to the punchline <laughs> and then they're excreted through the stool and that's the natural process and ovaries produce new hormones they go do their thing they go to the liver they're conjugated to the glucuronide they pass out the gut in the stool they also pass out the urine now we depend and i'm sure you've emphasized this uh, so many times on a very healthy bacterial flora in our gut and uh, we need them we love them they're just critical three and a half pounds of them plus or minus and you can correct me if i got the poundage wrong and however if there's resident bacteria that aren't our wonderful familiar genetically designed to co-create together and be in synergy with gut flora but rather some different bacteria <laughs> that shouldn't really be in the gut they shouldn't be there they they're fine that they're alive on the planet earth but they don't need to be in human intestinal tracts and these particular bacteria excrete an enzyme called beta glucuronidase i hope this isn't too deep in the weeds and what that beta glucuronidase does is it breaks the cleavage of the estrogen metabolite with the glucuronide and that makes it possible to reabsorb that estrogen into the body as a glucuronide it's it can't be reabsorbed the gut is a barrier to it but if you split up that way that it's being conveyed out, um, it can be reabsorbed in the gut. So you get these estrogen imbalances going on. I hope that wasn't too technical uh, for our audience. But the bottom line is have a healthy gut for that and a zillion other reasons. And some women can get into some hormonal uh, challenges because of excessive estrogen because of that particular function alone. And so what does that put you at risk for if beta-glucuronidase um, is elevated, for example, so they're reabsorbing the estrogen in the body, would you mind going into that a little bit? Well, you're going to have extra estrogen. And that imbalance is not pleasant. And it's not, uh, it's not tremendously serious. I think the question that might be in the listener's mind is, well, am I at risk for cancer because mm -hmm. of that? And the answer is no. You're going to have a hormonal imbalance. It's not pleasant. You can get PMS. You can have mood changes. You can have all kinds of things going on from the hormonal imbalance. But cancer is a serious diagnosis, and it takes serious health challenges to create it. And those health challenges take place over the course of our lifetime. Causes come down to issues of nutrition toxicity, too much or too little exercise, and an inappropriate dysfunctional response to the stress of life. The stress is fine, 
But if you don't, if you're not skilled at dealing with the stress, you're going to recruit the biology of the stress response, the fight or flee from saber-toothed tigers, that distorts the immune system, that gives you all kinds of problems. So hormones don't cause cancer. Even though there is uh, uh, incorrect information about that. Now, worst case, an estrogen imbalance where there's too much estrogen compared to the other hormones can increase breast density that's not a healthy breast. You can get fibrocystic breast disease even. That's not healthy. And that's a vulnerable breast. But in order to get cancer, you've got to have a lot of adversities taking place over the course of your lifetime on every level. Including I, I, levels we don't usually talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to just uh, touch back on um, something that you quickly uh said um, that hormones do not create cancer. Um, and when you say hormones do not create cancer, are you saying are regular hormones, bioidentical hormones, or hormone replacement therapy? Would you mind just breaking that down a little bit? Because there's a mm -hmm. lot of confusion, I think, even among healthcare practitioners. Yeah. Zero, zero, and zero to all three of those possibilities. And excuse me, there's that belief out there that's false that hormones can cause cancer because of a crazy misogynistic event that I can hardly understand took place in, in our medical world. In 2002, there was a big study done on women and women's hormones. And they stopped the study and the press got a hold of a, of, of a mis, misunderstood line in that study that said that with one of the products that was being tested, there was reduced risk, Premarin, horse urine derived estrogen. They catheterize horses, they collect their urine, they dry up that urine, and there's a lot of hormones in there, 50% of which actually are equivalent to a human female, 50% are not. But women treated with Premarin had a reduced risk for breast cancer, for example. But there was this molecule called Prempro. That was part of the study as well. That contained this artificial progestin, which is a problematic molecule to begin with. And what was in the study was there was a 1.26 increase relative risk for breast cancer. And that was followed by the statement, and this is statistically insignificant. And in medicine, as you so well know, the word statistical insignificance means don't draw any conclusions, folks. This is not clear. But the press got a hold of the, the increased risk statement blasted it out, and all over the world, women and healthcare providers got frightened. And even though in 2002, there was 18 million American women on horse urine-derived estrogen and, and, Prem, and um, Prempro, 40% of all American women in menopause, and they, it was to great advantage that they were. 
Well, in my community of those who really are paying attention to it, we went, why in the world would they report that? And the consequence of women stopping their hormones and the numbers went down to the low millions, maybe one or two million women. The rest of them got off those hormones. Uh, healthcare providers got uh, frightened to provide to write the prescriptions. And I said, why in the world would this happen? Those women who are coming off those hormones, they're going to have some serious health consequences because hormones are so important for women and men. And they're doing it for false reasons. There's no evidence there. Well, the same study committee that actually did the original study and published it in the Journal of the American Medical Association retracted that study in 2016 and they said after 18 or 2017 after 18 years of follow-up there is no increased risk in breast cancer heart attack and stroke mm -hmm. and they showed the reduced risk now this has been elaborated upon by a breast cancer specialist and oncologist his name is avram blooming the book is called Estrogen Matters. So for those of you who want to dive into the science, and I'm going to give you a soundbite of that science in just a moment, Dr. Blooming's book, Estrogen Matters. And then in chapter three of Happy Healthy Hormones, our book on menopause, and uh, Dr. Anna Marie is going to offer that as a, a free PDF copy. If you want it, in chapter three, I explain this. In, in a condensed fashion. Here's the science. Women who take who are treated with hormones in menopause are at less risk for developing breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke than women who go untreated. Women who are treated with hormones, and basically they're talking about Premer and Prempro. I myself am not a great fan of horse urine derived stuff there. Women who are treated with hormones are at less risk for breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke than women who are untreated. Now, we're all at risk for a thousand diagnoses. We're all, uh, as a, we're all at risk for hundreds of cancers. And as a male, I have an increased relative risk for prostate cancer. And there's reasons for that. They're, they really boil down to special reasons. And, and women have increased risk for breast cancer and uterine cancer. And there's reasons for that, increased relative risk. But the science is this. Women who are treated with hormones are at less risk for developing breast cancer than women who go untreated. Men who are treated with testosterone are at less risk for getting prostate cancer than men who are not receiving uh, testosterone replenishing the natural hormones don't cause them They're the prescribed hormones at midlife don't cause them doesn't cause cancer that's the science what um would you say about um some of the studies that say if you have active cancer progesterone feeds the cancer Etc. What would you say to those studies? There's holes in the studies. And again, Dr. Blooming addresses this directly. 
And there's also that claim for estrogen treatment. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, these days, actually for decades and decades, when a cancer is analyzed in a by a pathologist, they're even able to tell whether the cancer has estrogen receptor sites that are active or not, and progesterone receptor sites, and it's reported. Well, the main thing is, is that in a breast cancer, there's all kinds of cells in there. And the cells within the cancer that you're concerned about are the ones that are primitive. They're undifferentiated. They don't respond to anything. They just grow and go wild. They, there's no control over them. But in any different, any different, uh, any uh, cancer, there's also cells that are well differentiated. They still have estrogen re receptor sites in there because normal breast tissue has estrogen receptor sites in there. They respond to estrogen throughout the menstrual cycle. Now, to look at it from a, and so the ones, the cells in a breast cancer that we're concerned about are the undifferentiated ones. So it doesn't matter if a tumor has estrogen receptor positive in there or not. Or another way to look at it is Dr. Blooming, a breast cancer specialist once again. He's, and he's run the only study that I've ever seen of actual what happens when you treat women who have had breast cancer with hormones. Mm -hmm. And he said that for, I mean, as he was doing his study, he started that study in the 80s. There was no knowledge of the estrogen receptor sites. There was no knowledge about progesterone receptor sites. That didn't come to the late 90s. And he said that the conclusions he drew was that women who were treated with hormones who had prior breast cancer and had that breast cancer prior to treated had less incidence of recurrence. So long before there was estrogen receptor sites, when you, and here's the situation. You have a woman who's had breast cancer. She's had the breast cancer properly treated. She's had an increased risk of recurrence of that cancer than a young woman is at getting breast cancer who never had it. Right. The relative risk is higher. However, that woman who's had breast cancer and had the breast cancer properly treated is at less lessened risk for recurrence if she's treated with hormones than if she received no treatment at all. And the hormones that have been best studied is Premer and Prempro, less risk of recurrence. Hey, this is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally, or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit drannemariebarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 
10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne-Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. In, in your experience, do you feel like um, any particular estrogen is better because we have E1, E2, and E3? Um, is it having a mix of all of those? What what has the science showed us on that? Well, I do. I, I do have opinions about that. And I must say that in midlife, women lose their ovarian hormones. And almost any hormone, if done decently by someone who's somewhat knowledgeable, is going to benefit her greatly. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a strong advocate for using the same molecule, bioidentical hormones. Mm-hmm. Me too. And uh, because they're available, and they've been available since the late 70s, you can uh, a, a compounding pharmacist can purchase the same molecule that comes out of a woman's ovary or out of a man's testicle. And you were talking about estrogens. You're You're saying what is so is that there's not one estrogen. Estrogens is a family. There's actually three estrogens. And as my colleague who originated suggesting that we treat with bioidenticals, Dr. Jonathan Wright, in the um, he did this in the early 1980s, he said, why do we want to use horse urine? Some of those estrogens are not in human females. And some of them are provocative. Why don't we use the same molecule that's in human females? Well, he suggested that we copy nature. That's very radical. (laughs) I like it, though. I dislike it. You know, but that was not the thing before. (laughs) Why don't we just copy nature? And here's what nature is going on. Young women have the three estrogens. And one of them is the most potent one. It's called estradiol. And there's a second one called estrone. It's about 80% as potent as estradiol. And there's a third one that's called estriol, or E3. And it's about one-eighth as potent as estradiol. However, there is more estriol than the sum of the other two estrogens. And on an average, there's 1.3 times as much Estriol is there's the sum of estrone and estradiol. That's how nature's got original uh, young women originally designed. Possibly there's a reason for that. <laughs> and Dr. Wright, long before we had the details, said, let's just copy nature. Let's not invent this new thing. Let's not just give estradiol. That's not what a young woman's body does. He was also resting strongly on or some research that had done by a university in uh, Nebraska oncologist, Dr. Henry Lemon. Is this too much detail? No, it's I, I it's great, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, in the late 1960s, um, Dr. Uh, Lemon was looking at the urine of women who had breast cancer and women who didn't have breast cancer because he wondered, was there something unusual about the hormones and the hormones show up in the urine plus the metabolites? So it's a great way to measure it. And what he found is young women who had, who were healthy, had 1.3 times as much on the average of estrogen as they had the sum of estrone and estradiol. Mm-hmm. 
And women who had breast cancer did not have near as much estriol as they had the sum of estriol and estradiol. They had a lot less estriol. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to overemphasize this. Cancer has got very specific causes that take place over the course of a lifetime. Once again, dietary problems, eating pesticides and herbicides that mess up, do a lot of stuff. Um and other toxicities and emotional and mental and life issues that aren't handled elegantly with wisdom and skill and exercise too much. Cancer has a multitude of causes. But this observation was made and Dr. Wright said, let's just copy nature. This is, this is in the late 60s, early 70s. That study was repeated in about 10 years ago, a laboratory uh, commissioned me in, uh, to f- do a new study to see, was this still happening? And what I learned about young women is they had 1.1 times as much estriol as they had the sum of estrone and estradiol mm. using the latest technology. Mm. Now here's the, you know, going on uh, just a little bit further, if it's okay, and you can interrupt, please interrupt me and stop me at any time. A woman, every single menstrual cycle does this astounding, almost impossible to grasp because it's so miraculous process in which she prepares for pregnancy once a month. And if she if she if she gets pregnant, she goes on to be pregnant and and prepare for breastfeeding. And if she does not get pregnant, everything all those preparations disappear. Once a month, she forms this endometrial lining. And if she has a fertilized egg, uh, she keeps that endometrial lining throughout the pregnancy. If she does not get pregnant, she sheds that endometrial lining. That's menstruation. But astoundingly, every single cycle, a young woman prepares for possible breastfeeding. Right there in the beginning of each menstrual cycle she actually gets increased number of breast glandular cells via a process called cell division or mitosis. A lot of young women can really feel that. Their breasts get fuller as the cycle is progressing. If they do not get pregnant, the breasts get less full. And actually what's going on is those cells, those new cells disappear by a process, funnily enough, called apoptosis. That whole process is, is inspired by the hormones. During the first part where there's proliferation, there's new cells, there's endometrial cells, there's breast glandular cells proliferating. That's under the uh, inspiration of an estrogen receptor site called ER-alpha, estrogen receptor site alpha, the proliferative phase. If there is no implantation, a whole deproliferation occurs, and that's inspired through the action of estrogen with the estrogen receptor site beta. The principal inspirer of estrogen receptor site alpha is estradiol. The principal inspirer every single menstrual cycle of estrogen receptor site beta, thus deproliferation, is estriol the most prevalent of all the estrogens. This was not known when Dr. Lemon 
and Dr. Wright. Dr. Wright proposed bioidentical hormones. So I say copy nature and favor estriol and do have a lot of estriol there because we don't want proliferation of cells in a midlife woman. We don't need it. We can get all the benefits that are so crucial for taking hormones in menopause. But we don't need breast glandular cell proliferation. We don't need cell division. Our immune systems, for example, midlife aren't quite as vigorous and amazing as they were when we were younger. <laughs> so why have cell division that you don't need? Anyway, that's why that's why there's three estrogens. That's how they behave. And that's why we think it's very important to copy nature because we want that deproliferation emphasis. That was so interesting. Um, let me, so in when we're building the hormones, you know, because we need certain nutrients to build those hormones um, from the gut. So we need to have a healthy gut absorbing that to basically have the cofactors to make that. There are any, any nutrients in particular that you think are important for hormone production? Well, it's, there's the direct and there's the indirect. And in order to produce hormones and ovarian hormones and testicular hormones are luxuries, they're not going to be given the same priority of production than, uh, let's say, breathing is going to be given or energy production is going to be given. You need the whole panoply of everything really to do a good job because there's a lot of moving parts. When you look at uh, hormone biochemistry, and you mentioned it already, there's a lot of nutrients that are required because they are they may, the hormones are made out of them. And there's a lot of cofactors, vitamins and minerals that make that production possible. And nutrient insufficiencies are, are epidemic in the standard American diet. If you're not going 100% organic, you can count on not having the nutrients. But that's not the whole story. And you know it better than anyone. <laughs> you can put the most wonderful food and fully uh, of all nutrients that you need into your mouth. But that does not guarantee that you're going to digest it. You got to have real digestive power in that uh, from here right on down the whole intestinal tract to be able to digest it. And I'm I'm really saying things that is your home territory. So pardon me, I don't mean to say it, but you asked me the question, so that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> of course, yep. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. <laughs> you have to have a healthy intestinal tract lining, and you have to have a healthy resident population of bacteria everything's got to be in place to work and you start getting imbalances and you get you can get into an unhealthy gut lining that's doing things that are not okay i'll keep it simple like that leave it to you to to really hunker down on it <laughs> so are there specific nutrients i like to keep it sort of simple in a way um you got to eat organic food these days 
throughout human history up till about 75 years ago, all food was organic. So you didn't have to think about it. And you got to have enough calories and you want to spread it out. And then everyone's dietary specific needs are individual. So I don't want to dive into that. There's those who thrive better on a, a less animal products. There's those who won't live unless they get adequate animal products. And these kind of things you can find out about your own individual way. But just eat, eat enough and eat a variety of foods like your grandmother told you to do. <laughs> and you're going to do fine. You're going to get enough nutrients. And these days you probably have to supplement. I do. Because the food supply is hurting. If you don't have a garden in your backyard with good soil, you got to have good soil, no less. I'm garden. I'm a gardener, and I've gotten to witness firsthand that man, the health of the soil is going to really translate into the health of the food. So, sorry to get too detailed there, but uh, yeah, that health of that gut. <clears throat> Without it, you're not going to produce a lot of things properly. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So, um, I, I, this has been so interesting and you've just provided so much information. Um, but I want to make sure that the listeners, um, get a chance to, you've got a special offer for the listeners today. And I'd love to know where people can find you if they want to get in touch with you and in all your details, which we'll also link below. Well, thank you. Um, you're going to uh, offer a link to our book, Happy Healthy Hormones for Women. And they can download a free PDF copy. And then the greatest breakthrough I've seen in treating women in menopause has occurred because of my team. They, Because we have so many providers we've uh, trained, um, my team, Andre and Joshua principally, uh, negotiated with the National Pharmacy for two years, and uh, we're about to be able to offer all four ovarian hormones for $99 a month total. And uh, that's remarkable because women are paying in the United States on an average of 250 That means some are paying 400 and and very few are paying 100, 160 So this is going to increase the access. So $99 a month, and I think my team is set up with your team on how to do that on your website. And then you can go to our website of um, women and go to www.menopausemethod.com. And uh, yeah, that's that's an entryway. That's a gate, gateway. There's a new website we have called Happy Healthy Hormones. It's going to be for males and females. And it's happyhealthyhormones.live. I don't know if it's quite activated yet, but the menopause method will get you there. Menopausemethod.com. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll put that link below so that people can um, can have access to your offer and to the book and to the website. Um, but thank you so much for being here today. This was very informative. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of great information out of this. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit drannemariebarter.com.